Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is the third volume in a report on the Ballantine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40k's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Tom McGee and players Ryan Laplante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt as Atticus Viz, and Laura Hamstra and Del Borovic as brand new characters. My report shows that Inquisitor Valentine has executed Glasgow Vicodin while Atticus Viz slaughtered Inquisitor Billingberg in single combat. With two members of the Confederacy killed and a string of fallen acolytes behind them, have they improved the future or doomed the Emperor to a worse fate? And what will happen next in their journey to save the Imperium? Find out next in this episode of the Valentine Heresy. In the grim darkness of the far future, there is only peace. Greenery, what? <laughs> where planets had never seen it, is abundant. Uh, as verdant uh, forests, jungles, fields begin to grow, uh, taste buds that had never known or even conceived of, of fresh produce, vegetables, fruit, are beginning to reawaken, to, to taste things their brains couldn't even conceive of mere centuries before. Old weapons factories now turn towards habitation, towards farming, towards industry, ways of, of reconnecting the galaxy as humanity enters a new golden age. And all it took was a brave group to kill the emperor of mankind. And once they achieved that, Everything got better. And here, Valentine, on the first election of the new Primarchs, you see the galaxy you know in tatters. Golden, peaceful, joyous tatters. Valentine, this is, uh, this is not the first time you've had uh, a new glimpse of, of the future that uh, you first saw uh, upon Gideon's fist. Uh, not the first time that you viewed uh, what the, the grand conspiracy, currently uh, only known to you as the Confederacy, uh, is attempting to pull off. Uh, after witnessing the death of the emperor himself, uh, you and uh, your retinue in the various forms that have taken uh, have fought back uh, against the visions, uh, managing to, in fact, kill two of the Confederates, Glasgow Vicodin and Barthas Billingberg the 13th. With their deaths, the visions have changed, and you're getting a distinct sense now, as these chaotic dreams invade your mind, that the butterfly effect of uh, the Valentine heresy itself, of course, not known as such to you just yet, is having tremendous effect on this future, and yet the future still marches ahead apace. Uh, despite the loss of these two figures and also the the plan B of uh, the new men um, being built uh, by Fabius Bile purposefully to act as a backup should Vicodin have failed in his duties to deliver a mercenary army, still you're seeing this strange future, this strange, peaceful, beautiful future. Of course, that's what's happening behind your metallic eyes and not necessarily something you share. Uh, that said, every time you awake to the admittedly uh, plush, if if still 40K pointy, sharp, skull-covered uh, um, trappings of Billingberg's old stateroom, uh, it's a bit of a, a relief um, to, to step out of this weird gilded nightmare into a world you're more familiar with. Uh, you're woken today uh, by an alarm, Claxton, blaring uh, throughout Marnie's song uh, as the ship is rocked by a massive explosion. Um, over the uh, the sort of scratchy uh, Voxcom, uh, you hear grimly uh, your erstwhile uh, pilot uh, just uh, kind of muttering back, uh, "Yeah, hey, chief. Um, <laughs> sorry, I think we we might actually be be fucked. There's there's a bunch of them coming in on us. Uh, looks like two different attack groups. Um, Atticus uh, is is here telling me I I I, I got to pull it off, but uh, we need you on the bridge uh, as soon as pot. And then his mic cuts out. Uh, Valentine, this isn't the the first time uh, you've been on a, a doomed ship, uh, but uh, it is the first time uh, you've been on one that is under direct assault uh, in warp. 
Meanwhile, uh, it's been a while, my friends. Welcome back uh, to the Valentine Heresy. Um, before this horrific morning, uh, Valentine, that you encounter, um, you and Atticus have had time aboard uh, Marnie's song. So we'll we'll catch up to ourselves in a few moments. But I wanted to make sure before we do, we get a sense of kind of who both of you have been over the past little while. Um, after uh, leaving behind uh, Vicodin as well as uh, uh, Marnie, who died heroically uh, in your attempts to uh, kill Glasgow Vicodin and put an end to his uh, horrific practice of, of farming orcs for booze, um, the uh, the two of you um, took control of uh, Barthus Billingberg, the corrupt Inquisitor's ship. Uh, you rechristened it uh, Marnie's Song. Uh, and uh, together we set out um, to uh, in search of, of uh, an Inquisition base uh, that uh, wouldn't be one you've ever visited, Valentine, but that is is known to be sort of the closest uh, port of call. Uh, of course, you've been cut off from the Inquisition since uh, Gideon's fist went down. And uh, as as useful as the people you found along the way have been, um, you do think it's time to come in from the cold and uh, see if you can get some reinforcements and some additional information. Um, so, uh, some some housekeeping. Um, first and foremost, uh, Valentine, uh, you'd lost your arm um, and uh, you'd uh, fractured your leg. Um, so, those will have been repaired for you. Um, do you think you had your old arm reattached or did you get a servo arm? Valentine would have taken uh, the best thing that would have let him get functional as quickly as possible. He's not really interested in kind of sitting around and waiting for a more aesthetic healing process. So if he had a bad arm, the arm goes, new arm, thumbs yeah, great. up. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, with that in mind, then, I think uh, kind of more of like a stripped-down C-3PO or Luke when he uh, doesn't have the the hand on his yeah, uh, yeah that's what we talked thing, about so yeah, yeah so yeah, sort of the, the more terminator he'd, he'd arm. keep it under his jacket he's not somebody who'd like tear the sleeve off to show it off that's not mm -hmm. his style um and he already tended towards gloves so i think it's just like the rest of his augmentics it's just now he's even more robot than man as people are exposed to him more over time and he's gotcha. got a hell of a grip to shake hands excellent Excellent. Um, so we, uh, we've cut back to the day that, uh, uh, Valentine, you received your final report, um, from, uh, Abacus and the, uh, the remote crew, uh, that you dispatched to deal with Fabius Bile and the new men. Um, this was a lead you obtained from, um, uh, from Vicodin himself, uh, as well as Billingberg, uh, about the plan B, situation um sort of deep in space and as a result you uh you sort of looked into what uh um assets uh billingberg had and were pleasantly surprised to discover that he actually had several um sort of remote uh remote things he could activate um sleeper cells if you will um on things he called tomb ships um so in looking at uh, what files you could get into obviously you couldn't get into all of them uh, you're able to um, activate uh, Abacus 003, um, who is able in turn to activate some agents on your behalf. And the good news is that, as the Emperor always provides, they were successful in their mission at some cost to them, uh, but names on a ledger have never meant much to the Inquisition. Uh, so whoever died, however handsome and capable he may have been, can go fuck himself because he is, of course, yet another name on on the ledger. Uh, so honestly, you're feeling you're feeling pretty good. This is a good day before the the bad day uh, to come when your ship is under attack. Um, what uh, what have you been up to since uh, you left Vicodin? It's been a little while. Um, you've been uh, traveling for some time. Uh, making smaller jumps uh, to kind of get closer, not wanting to spend too much time in the warp based on what happened uh, last time you flew. Um, what uh, what do you think uh, Valentine's been up to on the ship? Uh, he's had three, well, I guess four different priorities. One is generally getting himself back in shape. He had a busted up leg and he just got a new augmentic arm, so he needs to be at 100% whenever they get where they're going because people keep bursting through walls and trying to murder him. So that's kind of just a given in downtime, you know, running laps of the ship, training with Atticus, who's probably the hardest dude on board, that kind of thing. Uh, in terms of dealing with shipboard personnel, a charm offensive from a man who's not necessarily the most charming man, but he is very polite and cheerful. Uh, and I think he would at this point want everyone on the ship to actually give a shit about him because shifting over from Billingberg was a lot of like, and there's the old boss, same as the new boss. And he does not want staff at that level of caring about the mission for him. You know, he wants everybody to, to give a shit. Uh, and then 
in combination with figuring out the extent of Billingberg's operation and what he's now kind of taken ownership of, he would look into those two names that he'd been given. That's the thing he would really, really be hunting for because he had two conspirator names given to him by Glasgow. Mm -hmm. The Space Marine Sandor Rafferty and then an Ale Dari whose name is something like Trin Rarki. Yes. Uh, 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 it's Trin um, Rakai, R-A-K-A-I. Perfect. R-A-K-A-I, which he now corrects, having found it in, in the files. <laughs> um, yes. Okay, great. Um, so that makes sense. So uh, sort of physio and recovery as you get yourself back up in, on, into shape. Uh, charm offensive. You do find that um, the ship is very lightly staffed. Um, uh, you get the sense that uh, Billingberg didn't want too many people knowing that he was visiting Glasgow Vicodin. Um, that's not... Uh, and the relationship between like the Lords of Terra and the Rogue Traders has always been a bit fraught, let alone the Inquisition and the Rogue Traders. So you have the sense this was meant to be a pretty uh, incognito situation. So you've got your pilot, you have a number of servitors, um, and probably just like, we'll say like two sort of general staff. Um, but uh, beyond that, um, you get the sense that most of his operation was off off ship, likely at, at uh, a base somewhere else. Um, in terms of the names, uh, we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, but that is uh, that is good to know. In general, how is uh, how is Valentine feeling uh, about kind of this new this new phase of his his quest? Realistically excited. They've made some change. At least the Emperor isn't dying and having like Glasgow Vicodin drink out of his head and like piss all over him or whatever. So that's to step up in the right direction. The operatives have proven themselves to be useful. He never would know which of Bill, like what Billingberg thinks are Billingberg's best people might not be Valentine's opinion of the best people. Uh, so at that point, it's just moving forward. He is still weirded out by the fact that the Inquisition thinks he's dead. And that is his like core hesitancy about fully exposing himself to the traditional Inquisition. Because if he's like, if they're going to turn out and call him a heretic and kill him, he's going to have to shoot somebody and try to get out of there because he has to save the emperor. And it doesn't matter what they think of him. Yeah. So the good news is the um, the base you're headed towards that was in Billingberg's files is, uh, it's known as, um, uh, let me pull it up here. Uh, so it's, uh, the base is called Hearthold. Um, and it is uh, on the planet Last Gleaming. Um, it is a backwater, kind of like vaguely criminal underworldy planet uh, that the Inquisition has um, a base on, but it's it's not where the A-listers go. Like, it's not like Thracian Primaris or anything like that. It's like, it, it's... It's it's a bit more rough and tumble. It's almost like a frontier outpost. So the good news is that with kind of the the criminal base that's that you know exists around, like this is the kind of like the bad part of town outpost uh, for the Inquisition, where it's kind of like if you're desperate, go there and they'll give you guns. But like they may not have any guns because they may be using the guns on the planet, kind of situation. Yeah. Um, which is actually good then for your your current kind of objective because if you ever needed to brush up against the Inquisition without being too overt about it. This would be the right kind of like vaguely, like most Eisley kind of situation planet to, uh, to do it on. Um, great. Uh, okay. So um, you, uh, you've been dealing with that. We'll make some rolls to see how uh, your three things go. But I also want to check in uh, with our other surviving retinue member, Atticus. Uh, Atticus, um, Unlike uh, uh, Valentine, who is haunted by uh, some of these visions and with kind of greater purpose, your greater purpose is serving the Inquisitor and keeping him alive. And you did a damn good job of that. Um, it was pretty dire at the end there. Um, you didn't have the opportunity to sacrifice yourself as heroically as Marnie did. You would have. Um, but the fact that you were able to, to take Billingberg out, um, uh, you know, uh, after you discovered he was your son, sort of, not really, because of hallucinogen grenades, um, was a pretty pretty important thing, and I think like for someone who's been stuck on a planet with an infinite war, kind of getting bumped around, and we talked a lot about how efficiency was kind of your jam. Feels nice to be with a team that's all about efficiency at all costs. Um, how uh, how are you feeling? What is what's Atticus's vibe on uh, on aboard uh, Marnie's song? Uh, I mean, he's he's on cloud nine. He's he's in the Inquisition now. He serves an Inquisitor, like. A fucking dream come true. Probably something he never even thought he could possibly achieve. 
um, because he was resigned and quite content to like trench warfare frontline fighting. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he, he's probably, I don't know, probably he definitely is like just absolutely pleased to be part of uh, an inquisitor's mission. Um, and such a, a crucial and important one. I don't know how much uh, Valentine would be sharing with Atticus. I know he started to share some pieces of the, of the puzzle with him uh, and certainly like the consequences of like, if they fail, um, but for any like new developments or like bringing him into like whatever his plan is, it doesn't really matter. Atticus is here to be told, like to do what he's told by Inquisitor Lucius Valentine. Valentine would bring you in pretty much all the way. If you start okay. to see like a beautiful new future without the emperor, he's not going to tell you that shit. Cause that shit's okay. fucked up and probably right. a lie. And he's busy spinning his own internal propaganda around okay. that. But um, the idea of like what the mission is, the dangers, how it's involved, how the Inquisition may not agree with the mission, but it's super important. Like, I feel like he just spent a good bit of time propagandizing, like propagandizing Atticus, specifically so if another Inquisitor shows up and is like, Valentine is a problem. <laughs> then and that Atticus would be think about that too deeply. He wants yeah. to layer that shit over. Yeah. And that that would be prudent because, yeah, uh, like if uh, 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 as as sort of like starstruck as he was to be pulled out of the ranks by an inquisitor if he's told by say two inquisitors that valentine is bad <laughs> that's pretty compelling for him uh so he yeah yeah he would definitely be engaged yeah, in that kind of talk with valentine you would have sold this as like a secret mission from the emperor that no other inquisitors can know about and they may think it's not in service of the emperor, but we got it straight from the throne. Like just trying to play that like emperor card as often as he can. And that would work really well with the fact that, you know, he just actually had himself had to take down an in a corrupt inquisitor. So it was like, oh man, like he's right. This is, this is serious. And this is coming straight from the top and we can't necessarily trust everyone. Oh man, I sure am lucky that I wound up with Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's why Valentine sleeps so good. <laughs> hey it's Dell. i just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the valentine heresy and if you are so inclined we at dum dums and dice have a patreon it's patreon.com slash dum dum dice there's tiers from one to 25 dollars a month which gets you super cool stuff and also helps support creatives like us uh, specifically us, you know, doing this stuff. For just $1 a month, you can join our Discord, which is for patrons only, but you gain access to it forever. You can come hang out with us and talk about 40k and share your models and be super nerdy because honestly, we're all super nerdy there. So if you feel so inclined and would like to support the shows, come on over and join us. Uh, it's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. That's right. Just type it, type it in the search bar, uh, patreon.com slash dumdumdice. And we'll see you over there. Thanks. Great. So um, sounds like both of you for a brief window um, during which uh, season two occurs um, are are generally pretty happy. I'll say, Ryan, um, for for the 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 golden future visions you've been having. Um, they they come together piece by piece over time. So at this point in your in your journey, um, you're getting glimpses of things that don't make sense, like a uh, a space marine uh, primar selection or sorry primar collection. Like that makes no fucking sense, but you keep seeing that sign and it really doesn't. It means nothing to you, but in a way that's concerning. And then gradually, piece by piece, I'm honestly thinking of like I think it was Assassin's Creed Two. You would occasionally get like a secret glimpse of like how all the Assassin's Creed shit began. And it was like missing frames from a long movie. So you're just getting those individual frames. And then over time, those frames start to add up into something. And then slowly but surely, you see, you know, these weird, um, verdant, lush planets uh, with all sorts of weird shit going on. So, yeah, makes sense you wouldn't tell Atticus. I think absolutely. Um, and also, to your credit, uh, it's a bit of a sin by omission because you can't quite piece it together yet um but uh cool okay so things are good on the ship then um uh in general 
Um, Atticus, um, you spend a lot of time, uh, a lot of your downtime when you're not helping the Inquisitor recover, um, up in the cockpit, uh, with Grimly Dark, um, who, uh, you just don't trust. And he, you know, he, he turned coat quickly enough, um, but he's got a fake name. He immediately just like rolled with the lie that you guys had. And though he seems like a capable pilot as someone who like respects kind of the rule of law and order, like just a little too casual, like his jacket's always undone. His feet are always up on the dash, like just a little too, too casual for your tastes. And from, from the jump, you haven't trusted him so far. He's done absolutely nothing to earn that mistrust. (laughs) He's just like the kind of person that I think Atticus would never really like. You've seen these flyboys before. You've seen them probably in your experience more as like officers who bought their way in or from important families. Um, but, um, Given that you've been watching him like a hawk, uh, you've actually picked up some piloting uh, over time. So okay. you're you're not like the world's greatest pilot, uh, yep. but you could absolutely handle Marnie's song uh, if need be. Um, obviously, you'd have have to adjust to like doing all of it one handed because your power fist would literally destroy anything you were trying to hold. Right. Uh, but um, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, accidentally one day Grimley's like, "I got to hit the head. Can you watch the?" ship and like you knew what to do and what to push and um so um i'm gonna say tyler you can go ahead and add uh uh piloting at um two ranks uh to your uh to your skills we're gonna call that uh driving uh yes sorry yeah okay i just want to make sure i'm not seeing and missing it somewhere else no it's a weird okay. system so we we okay. in-house decided piloting right, right. would just be driving okay yeah, I think they just assumed no one would ever be so cool as to get to fly a thing in uh, in Dark Heresy. And you know what? They might be right. They might be right. <laughs> well, it didn't turn out well last time I tried yeah, it. Yeah, so. yeah. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> you'll get to drive that Titan one day, <laughs> Lenny. Just think of the rabbits, Lenny. Um, so, um, great. So you pick up a little bit of piloting uh, in your in your time. Um, and then, Ryan, let's uh, – I think for, in terms of physio and recovery, we're just going to give that to you. I don't think you need to roll for that. Um, you've got, like, Billingberg. This is his personal craft. So as an Inquisitor who is also up to some nefarious doings, um, he's got good shit for fixing yourself up. Um, obviously, uh, based on the kind of technology you received for your arm um, – Meant to be kind of a holdover until you can get to the fancy clinic to to give you the, like the the fancier augs. But for you, uh, it's a dream. Also, just really nice that no one's tried to shoot, stab, or kill you in like the last you know couple weeks. It's been a real treat. Um, in terms of the charm offensive, uh, I will take a roll for that. Um, what is what is your uh, what do you think your your tactic here is? Um, other than just like being being nice. Or is it- uh, it's it's lying. He always goes back to lying. So he would be trying to feel out who like what these three crew members want in an ideal kind of leader and then becoming that person for each of them. So like if somebody really likes having the pressure put on them and that's where they perform at the top, but there's somebody who just like needs that structure, then he'll be the drill sergeant. If there's somebody who needs the like friend who cares about you, then he'll be their best friend. Mm -hmm. If he's somebody who needs that like all-knowing force of the Imperium, like an Imperial hero, then he can play that role as well. Uh, And he'll just snake like charm shift in and out of them. With a small enough crew, he can appear to be a different person with all three of them if he's careful. All right, well, let's go go (laughs) for deception then. Um, Right. I'm going to give this a difficulty of four only because there were three of them and we're kind of doing one roll for the overall yep. thing. So consider this more a like, how well does this go? Um, I'm going to give you a boost uh, for the fact that Billingberg was an absolute twat. So anyone <laughs> is kind of an upgrade uh, from him. Um I was going to give you a setback because you guys took the ship by force, but I kind of feel like in the Inquisition, that's not unheard of. But yeah, you know what? Let's do it. Let's get a let's get a setback in there because you did kill their old boss, and I think it's the the early the early concern of am I next um, needs to be uh, overcome. Uh, and then I'll give you a, an additional boost for Atticus uh, because it's. It's generally easier to uh, get along with the man who's being nice when there's like a giant jolly man with a power fist over his shoulder. You know, it's like Han Solo is more charming because Chewbacca can rip your arms off. So, uh, 
you know, you, you get to, you get to benefit from that, uh, that as well. Um, anything else you want to make uh, an argument for here, Ryan? Where are we at on story points? Yeah. So story points, we are starting fresh, my friends. It's a, it's a new day. It's a new season. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, I think we're going to have six, uh, story points for the season. Um, so one for each player plus one for me. Um, and, uh, we're going to start this game off. I shit you not six in your favor. None in my favor. It's everything's coming up Millhouse for a little while before it doesn't come up Millhouse ever again. I just got to um, check. There are only five of us. So we're six. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm looking at the the blocks. So I was literally looking at like five Zoom windows plus one. Um, but yes. No uh, those five. <laughs> five. I was um, like, does Tom have another cast member he hasn't told us about? This is a subtle reveal. Secrets. I would be really into Surprise, everybody. It's Gav Thorpe. Gav Thorpe, everybody. Come on. Come on now. Um, going to be a dark angel. You know what? Maybe. Does it make sense to just have the five? One for each of us. Maybe that does make more I don't sense. Care. Six is fine, baby. I, listen, I wasn't questioning the no, six. No, I was I questioning, know. Do I, am I missing someone in my brain? Five. <laughs> You're a you player know, and and leading the game, so you get two. Yeah. <sighs> just five, okay. Uh, five means will always be <laughs> unbalanced, so let's go with five and see how that that plays for a bit. Change my sure. mind. Fun. Apologies. Yeah, I like it. Uh, it just like occurred to me that we've only ever had a balance, and it might be fun if we get to a situation where it's like, how many do we have? Oh, um, Valentine watched that one story point just fade into nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Marnie's story point. Oh. <laughs> That's what we named the ship, Marty's Story Point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Uh, I will use a Story Point because I feel right. like he's he's also he has nothing else to do. I think that's like the thing, which is every social interaction becomes a new social challenge for him. So it's his break from work is manipulating people, which I think very much speaks to him as a. Person. I mean, this is also realistically your new home, right? Like you guys have seized the ship. This is more and than anything need- you've had to this point. Like this is kind of. Yeah. And if these people can talk to the rest of his operation and make conversations a little easier, he doesn't know who has met Billingberg or who hasn't or what right. other Billingberg assets he's got to deal with. All righty, let's roll. One failure. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, you do have, have some difficulty, um, largely because everyone here is extraordinarily good at their jobs. They're so professional and detached that uh, you're having a hell of a time getting past the like uh basically the uh um the hospitality worker mentality of just like every bartender's your best friend uh every front desk is just so happy to see you like yeah it's great i of course i can clean up the hotel room you trashed it would be my pleasure like it's just that concierge level of, marie is so helpful yeah 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 it's just like <laughs> you're just smashing up against a brick wall of, of concierges uh or janet from a uh, good place if you need another parallel it's just everyone is just too focused and polite um uh, the failure <laughs> valentine's, valentine's personal log that he doesn't write but thinks his head is like well they're very good at the jobs it'll be a real tragedy if i have to kill them <laughs> Well, uh, that is where the failure comes in. Um, one of them, uh, you do find um, preparing, uh, and I think maybe this is, I guess, yeah, you, you could probably just, or Eugene clues you into the fact that uh, one of them is preparing a message for transmission as soon as you're out of warp um, on kind of like just a radio broadcast, because obviously there's no psychers aboard, um, uh, to kind of like give the heads up of like, Hey, <laughs> we've got a problem. Uh, how do you how do you execute uh, uh, <laughs> sweet Janet? Well, this is tremendously unfold. I feel like they, they're they're you know typing the message. Eugene gives her the warning, and he just goes and uses the rosette to open the door, and it opens quietly. It's a, it's a good ship. So he's just seeing them type away, and from behind them, he says, "This is tremendously unfortunate." For both me, in that you seemed very good at your job, and for you, in that most people don't like to have holes in their chest. Uh, and then he's just going to run them through with his chainsword. Um, it's going to make a mess, and he's going to apologize to the person who has to clean it up, but he's not firing a bolt gun on board a ship if he doesn't have to. Oh, he doesn't smart. need that doing damage. I mean, incidentally, normally it would be Janet cleaning this up. So, I mean, you've kind of saved her the work. Um, ish. Um, so this was, uh, this was not a great day aboard, uh, Marnie's song. Uh, it was, uh, it was an, uh, an ill note, if you will. Um, but, uh, again, everyone is very professional. So Atticus, I think you're probably watching a little bit more closely, 
Um, but I will say, uh, given the the failure on this, um, it's going to be harder to get the crew like fully on side. Like they'll do what you want, but they're not going to go above and beyond for you um, at this point. Um, no, no one's going to pull a Marnie on your behalf. Um, <laughs> now let's talk about Billingberg's operations. Um, so Ryan, you wanted to look into uh, Sandor Rafferty and uh, Trin Rakai, um, the Eldare. Um, how would you go about doing this investigation? Um, or would you wait until you're at last gleaming? No, he'd, he'd be looking into it in advance because what he's interested in on board this ship is the stuff Billingberg has that wouldn't be in the General Inquisition files because Billingberg is paranoid enough and running a big enough conspiracy that it's trying to put together that kind of knowledge uh, from right. from what he can put together. And Atticus grabbed a bunch of notes from um, mm -hmm. uh, Vicodin's office as well. So um, we're going to make this a joint check then uh, for both of you. Um, I think uh, for... Valentine, um, I suspect this is going to be, I almost want to say like streetwise, but I don't know if that's right. What are you thinking, Ryan? Uh, streetwise is an option. Uh, we could go with uh, forbidden lore if we wanted to be like diving into oh, that. Yeah, I that's an yeah I like forbidden lore. Let's do that. That makes the most sense. Um, and then Atticus, what? Uh, how do you think you'd be assisting? You, you stole a bunch of stuff, so we can literally make this a roll to see how good the stuff you stole is. Okay. Um, or would would you be helping the Inquisitor in some way, shape, or form? Um, this is not playing to Atticus's nearly singular strength, um, which, <laughs> which is strength. So I think he would be. Uh, it's one of those things where like you yeah have you ever tried to help someone with something that you know you're fucking dog shit at so you just try to help in as little an intrusive way as possible yeah it's literally just like oh you put that paper aside like is that garbage can i take that away for you like that's like if that's the extent of it then that's what it has to be kind of thing uh so i think it's 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 atticus just being keenly acutely aware that this is not his wheelhouse uh but he's been asked to help and so he will uh provide all of those sort of ancillary research services, fresh cup of uh, whatever we drink in 40K again, fucking Beverol or whatever you like. <laughs> I don't know. Calf? Is calf, calf, sure. Yeah. I think that, that, might be, that might be Star Wars actually. Recaf, sure. Yeah, fresh top up is recaf, that kind of thing, whatever he needs, yeah. <laughs> Best part of waking up is recaf spat angrily out of an ancient <laughs> machine made of recycled human waste in your cup. Yeah. Okay, so then Tyler, in that case, I think we'll say that um, you're maybe just boosting, uh, boosting Valentine's role rather than making a, a separate role. Okay, or Atticus, uh, I think makes the most sense. Um, so Ryan, uh, we're gonna yeah, as we said, we're gonna call this uh, forbidden lore. For difficulty perspective, uh, I'm gonna say three. He's paranoid, but he also didn't ever expect anyone would be on his ship. That's the thing. If they're on there, he knows he's dead. There's like, yeah, where, how secure are you going to be? Yeah. So we got that. Uh, I'm going to say you can upgrade one of your greens to a yellow for uh, Atticus's assistance. You also aren't doing this under duress. Like this is this is like a montage of you know the guy in the library and then like someone bringing books in and like refreshing their coffee and like That's yeah me. exactly Atticus is just popping in popping <laughs> out. Um, so realistically, like you can. I think you, you gain like a proper advantage, not just a boost off of that. Um, you've got the documents, so that's a boost. Okay. Um, you're not under any time constraints. So that's neither boost nor setback. Uh, yeah, honestly, I don't think I, I have much else for you on that. Uh, is there anything you wanted to make an argument to add or, or subtract? Um, my auspex is good, but that's for scanning the environment. That won't help with this. Uh, I do have a weird ability. Well, maybe we can... Oh, no, this this might matter. So we can figure out how this wants to factor in, Tom. It's called Reconstructing the Scene. So right. it's a three purple perception check for each success. Uh, I identify a prominent characteristic of an NPC who was at the scene the last 24 hours. Further back, it's a daunting check. So I don't know if that's a way to factor into this or not. 
yeah, I'll give you. Um, what's your what's your spread right now in green and yellow? I have one green, two yellow. All right, I'll let you upgrade your other green to a yellow. I think the forensic reconstruction of a scene. I think honestly, it's also like you're doing a bit of the Grand Admiral Thrawn from Star Wars thing, where it's like you're just sitting in Billingberg's quarters, being like, "Okay, this is the kind of guy who has a plush rug that tells me some stuff about him." Uh, <laughs> like, oh, he has like swords in a rack over his bed. That tells me something about him. Um, you know, the first time you lay down on the pillow, you're like, okay, there's a bolt pistol under this pillow. Great. Like, there's just all those those so, sort of social cues, which in turn, I think, would give you some insight into, like, is his password going to be numeric? Is it going to be the name of his long-dead dog? Like, what's what's the what's the password? Um, Alrighty, so we are three yellow, three purple, and a blue. Yes. Let's do it. Let's let's roll. Three successes. Hey, uh, very good. Um, okay, so over time, uh, you discover a few things. Uh, the first, which I think plays into uh, season two pretty nicely, is uh, your d- discovery of uh, of the tomb ships uh, and the what's known as the uh, the Abakai network. Um, you don't have full access to this. You don't have full information on it. Um, it's almost like when you open a file folder and it's like, here are the recent fo- files you opened. Um, but um, you currently have uh, uh, four different tomb ships listed. Um, each one has a point of contact known as Abacus. Um, for your mission, uh, you identified Abacus uh, 003 as the one to activate. Um, from the sounds of his records, like you don't, again, you don't have a full... It's not like you have the full history of what these things are, um, but it would seem that they're one of the ways that Billingberg has spread his influence to far distant reaches of of the Imperium. Um, obviously, travel takes time uh, and is obvious. So being able to just activate these cells at distance um, to kind of carry out his will um, is, a, is a remarkable uh, overreach uh, to your eye for an Inquisitor to have remote retinues that are completely out from under the thumb uh is concerning and i think you experienced that when when talking to um seth and sister mina and piper and nero like the fact that they were so loyal but also had no idea who you were and that didn't matter is uh, kind of a scary prospect i think from an inquisitorial organization standpoint which is just like this is an inquisitor who's gone a few steps too far um his files reveal generations of connections. Um, as Atticus can tell you, he uh, he talked about how he killed his father. Uh, he's the 13th. Um, he comes from a, a, a genetic line of inquisitors, um, uh, both uh, matrilineal and patrilineal uh, inquisitors kind of down through the ages. And it would seem that a lot of these uh, agents aren't necessarily people he's even met, but um, you know, generations past connections playing out and kind of like a massive, you get the sense that uh, even though you have you have access to some, but not all, of an incredible web of uh, connections and favors and debts and blackmail and ownership um, over such things. Um, how uh, can you, Ryan, roll me a real quick um, two purple uh, scholastic lore? Specifically, I'm looking for your knowledge of Xenos. Atticus, I don't think you could help with this because this is a this is beyond your your thing. God, yep. if it was about orcs, Marnie would be so helpful. Fresh in your drink, sir. <laughs> Two successes. <laughs> well, yes, Atticus, I'm making a surprising amount of progress considering this is in no way my specialty. No uh, mind, sir. <laughs> uh, you are um, somewhat taken aback, Valentine, um, by the uh, designation tomb ships. Uh, you know, this is a very much a, a Necron, uh, a Necron term. And though this seems to be a, a fully imperial machine, uh, it's incredibly strange to you that uh, that Billingberg would do it. You've heard of Inquisitors kind of like overstepping before. It's actually very common, but. This this is this is truly bizarre to you. Um, so uh, you discover that, um, and uh, you have access to four. One of which you activate uh, in order to deal with the, the threat of the new men. Um, the other piece you get um, is around uh, the names that uh, that you, you've received so far. Um, 
there isn't a lot of information. Uh, Vicodin gave you the names he had, uh, but you get the sense that there is there's a lot of of uh, there's a sell mentality to this, right? Like they don't want to give everyone all the information because then if any of them get I don't know, you know, blown apart by an inquisitor uh, and waste their dying words ratting out their friends to get one last sip of the pure, uh, you don't really want them to be able to to blow the lid off the whole thing. Um, so uh, you learn that uh, Vicodin's role was to provide funds um, to again hire a large uh, number of mercenaries. Um, there was some concern about Vicodin um, in Billingberg's notes as well. Billingberg was was sent specifically to keep him on side, um, but given that Vicodin is new money, there was a lot of concern um, with uh, the other Confederates that. Uh, he might be a bit of a wild card. He wasn't particularly liked. Um, he was liked slightly more than Fabius Bile, who was their other option, um, but only slightly, uh, because the the general notes on on Bile and the new men were: if you can't get, if Vicodin fails in any way or goes rogue or anything else, like Fabius Bile can show up with fewer people that he obviously has, but he will have an agenda, and then. It's like it's very much a wolf in the the henhouse situation for the Confederates who are like we're trying to do we're trying to overthrow the Emperor of Man. We don't need a guy with a big agenda that isn't that in here. But worst case scenario, we'll use him. Um, in the files, uh, you learn that um, uh, you get the sense that Billingberg's uh, role in the conspiracy um, was asset acquisition. Which makes sense given his his kind of web of connections you're starting to see. Um, if there were any uh, elements that were needed, uh, it was his job to figure out how to bring them in, whether that was someone like Vicodin who'd be brought in at the highest level um, under the promise of being able to drink the Emperor's skull, um, or whether it was contingencies uh, like Fabius Bile, or interestingly, um, Trin Rakai, the Eldari. Um, the record on Trin is sparse. Um, Billingberg uh, has redacted most of it. Um, however, you do um, you do have bits and pieces uh, that seem to suggest uh, a, a def- an Eldari defector um, who needs to be extracted uh, from an ultramarine purge. Um, and apparently uh, an asset known as Abagnale was used uh, to extract uh, the Eldari. Uh, who is now somewhere in the Imperium, um, deep in the Imperium. Uh, so you know there's an Eldar in the henhouse as well, um, and uh, one that theoretically no longer exists because when the Ultramarines decide to, to end a thing, they'll do it so heroically and boringly uh, that um, surely um, the assumption would be that all Eldari on that planet are dead, uh, so one that happened to slip out um, during that action wouldn't be missed. So that's what you get from um, Billingberg stuff, as well as the location of of uh, the Twilight Sector um, and uh, and the the last gleaming base. It's the only uh, habitable world uh, in the uh, in the sector, and it gives you a place to start, uh, which is nice. So that's what you get. Is there anything you and Atticus would want to discuss around those learnings? Atticus would want to know our destination. He'd be approaching you saying, uh, what's all heading, sir? Well, it appears based on what we found, we're going to this Twilight Sector base. Correct, Tom? That was what we were talking about where we're yep. heading? Yeah. It's an out-of-the-way inquisitorial outpost. Here's the deal. I haven't found a tremendous amount of useful information. I found a lot of uh, peripheral gleanings around our opponents. I need to know more about Sandor Rafferty. There's nothing here, but I assume... And he's a loyalist. Uh, can I remember what um, it, what any of the the pauldron art or color that was on Sandor Rafferty or anything from my visions? Um, yeah. Um, so S- Sandor Rafferty, you do. Sorry, you do find one quick note on him, and it seems uh, that he and Billingberg were at odds. Uh, they didn't get along particularly well. Um, uh, Rafferty um, is. Uh, his armor um, looked to you very badly damaged in your visions. Um, unfortunately, everything's got a bit of that Vaseline um, like flashback and a, a soap opera blur to it. Um, but it almost uh, to you, it almost looked like um, his armor had been heavily slashed up. Um, but you saw a lot of uh, like a lot of um, sort of uh, reds and oranges in it. But it's it's not entirely clear. It's definitely not a name you've heard. 
Um, and uh, you know, you would know the heads of the major chapters just colloquially, and you've never heard of this guy. As you know, like one of the weird facets of Space Marine chapters is they all end up with these sub chapters and sub chapters and sub chapters, and as a result, there there can be any myriad of variation um, that you may not have heard of. It does bring you some comfort that it's not like one of the big names. Um, like you don't have to worry that it's like, oh no, I guess we're fighting the blood angels now. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's actually a little bit odd to you that you have absolutely no idea who this man is because you would assume that a Marine involved in something like this would have to be a big deal. So normally I would assume that in my visions, I would be able to recognize some piece of heraldry or something else that would allow me to track which chapter or successor chapter that Sandor is from. Instead, I have nothing which is tremendously bothersome other than name of a Marine who is not terribly important because I don't know it. And at the same time, it's tremendously important because he's trying to overthrow the Emperor and he's a Marine, which is a nightmare 10,000 years in the making. So I need to find out about him and Trin, this other ale dowry. Apparently it was part of an ultramarine purge. I'm assuming he's still alive because he's part of this, question mark. I don't know why they were being purged, and I would very much like to know that. So I need information on those two. And the Twilight Sector base appears to be our best chance. Right, right. Well, I mean, forgive me, sir, but can't you just dream more? That is a fair question. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not in charge of exactly how much dreaming I get to do. That is for uh, the holiest on the throne. Uh, he gives me the pieces that apparently you and I need. And no more. Thank him so much. Thank you. Always the best. No criticisms down here. Oh, yes, Always yes. gifts. Thank you, Lord Emperor. Yes, you've given us only as much as we need to serve your will. Yes. So then uh, off to... Uh, Twilight Sector base, then, and uh, the answers uh, will reveal themselves, I suppose. That would be the hope. The Emperor has given us Twilight Sector base, where we hope to find answers, and three more tomb ships, apparently, full of agents who hopefully will allow us to carry out the missions we need to. Do you trust them, sir? I mean, they're, they're Billingberg agents. They're, you know, they might be corrupt like him. The only person that I trust in this galaxy right now is you. Ooh, ooh. This is Atticus just grows three inches taller. Just Mustache curls a little bit more yeah, dramatically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it truly is you and I against the galaxy right now, Atticus. We will use the tools that we have, and these are tools, but we will protect each other and we will protect the Emperor. Very good, sir. Wouldn't, wouldn't have it any other way. And so you spend your days... Um, reading, studying, searching, um, training, until the day, Valentine, that you're awoken to explosions as two separate attack squadrons uh, rush Marnie's song um, as Grimly Dark's voice cuts out over your Vox, uh, the, the sort of ship-wide intercom Vox. Um, a new voice kind of crackles through, uh, and uh, you just hear... This is a message for the hateful traitor, Balthus Billingberg. You have been deemed hereticus, and I will bring you in. Me and my witch hunters will not stop until you have been brought before inquisitorial justice. Prepare to be boarded. At which point his voice cuts off, and we hear, Right then, uh, you're going to have to take a little break there, bud. Because if anyone's bringing him in for that bounty, it's going to be me, Maximus Canatus. Um, at which point, uh, your engines blow, uh, and Marnie's song is ripped, screaming from warp. Um, and as, uh, your ship drifts, uh, Valentine, you begin to rush towards the bridge, uh, seeing two separate attack squadrons, uh, moving in, apparently with the intent to board. This episode of The Valentine Heresy features Ryan Aplant at the Ryan Aplant on Twitter as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, Del Borovic at Del Testic on Twitter, and our game master Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. 
This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and the Valentine Heresy's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com, D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, and most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator, and death to all the heretics. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Sammy Boy, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Shulzari, Christian Mendez, Spot Allen, Flynn1138, Alorraine Okapi, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. In the alley, the scent is stronger, overpowering. As I watch, the overhead lamps flicker and wink out one by one. God damn it. No. The girl appears briefly under the last streetlight, the headphones snug against her ears, the Walkman clasped to her hip. She's oblivious as she walks, lost in her own world. Hey, stop! I need to talk to you! Then she's swallowed up by the darkness again. Helen, wait a second! (laughs) It strikes her in the gloom so fast she barely has time to scream. She falls into the edge of the lamplight and lies there, bleeding, motionless. The man's skin is scaly, flaking, and there are patches of soot on his cheeks. He stares at me with eyes like midnight. Eyes that are devoid of remorse, devoid of humanity. He's one of them. I turn and run, and I don't look back. The Road of Shadows, a new mystery and suspense audio drama by Mark R. Healy, creator of The Strata. Listen now at theroadofshadows.com. Thank you.